The devil made me do it. The Conjuring 3. Yeah, let's talk about that. So, you've, up here in North Dakota, you've been watching through the core Conjuring Universe movies. Yeah. So, what have you seen with everybody before they go see this one? Last week, we, or two weeks ago now, I suppose, we started with the original Conjuring movie one night. And then we watched Conjuring 2 the next night, and we did Conjuring 3. So we did the three of them back-to-back nights. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting to watch because I don't think any of them had seen both 1 and 2, except for me and our director. Mm -hmm. Because we were the only two who had seen both of them. I think McGuire and Kelly had seen one or the other. We we watched 2 for Spooktober because 2 was my favorite. Because 2 was fantastic. And it was really interesting watching those two leading into three because I think three is a very different kind of horror movie than the other two is. It's more of a crime drama mixed with supernatural stuff. Possession moments in it. Oh, I would say there's too many. But, I mean, I I could be argued there's not as many as, like, one. Well, and I think. It's not even necessarily that there's less possession, but there's different possession it, scenes. Yes. Because it's not just this demon is fucking with this person's body. Okay. It's more you're, you're right, you're right, right. this person I, I is you. being maneuvered yeah. by something else, I, which is yes. a horrifying implication. It's so cool. But it's awesome to watch. The Conjuring 3 – so I guess just before we get into it, off of that, uh, Kelly, I talked to him, he's kind of underwhelmed by this one, mm-hmm. which I think probably most people in your group may have been. I will admit, when I first saw it, I was underwhelmed until I got to just thinking about it. Okay. Because the more I thought about it, the more I, or the less I compared it to the other two Conjuring movies, and the more I just thought of it as a horror movie. Because I think it does much better in that scrutiny than compared to 1 and 2, which, in my opinion, are some very genuinely frightening movies. The, conjur- the Conjuring and The Conjuring 2 are legitimately amazing. Like, they're like it. We're like, mm-hmm. they're great movies and also solid horror movies. Yeah. Um, where I think some of people in your group may have gotten this feeling from is after The Conjuring 2, or... Maybe it was after the first one. Whenever and up, so the Conjuring movie universe, which one day we will cover, probably once the three comes out. Yeah. Um, includes the now three core Conjuring movies, three movies about Annabelle the doll, mm-hmm. a movie about the nun, and the from the current from the Conjuring two and the Curse of La Llorona, and there will be a movie about the Crooked Man, who is also a featured character from yeah, the Conjuring, Conjuring two. Um. Almost every movie that I just talked about is bad. I really like the first Annabelle movie. Um, I know it's not great, but mm-hmm. it's not bad, for me at least. Uh, I didn't like 2, and I hated 3. Because 3, along with La Llorona, just feel like a cut-and-pasted script of, like, character says this, and then a, this scary thing happens. Fill in the blank with whatever the scary thing is for the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, 3 and La Llorona felt like the most lazily written horror movies I've ever seen. And it made me very disappointed because this franchise should have the reputation of being a solid one. Well, especially because they're 
core movies are such solid films that when the spinoffs aren't as successful and as effective at what they're trying to do, it just feels more disappointing. Like, so I have mixed feelings about The Nun because I think the character of Valak is the most metal thing I've seen in movies in a while. Mm -hmm. It's a demon. First of all, his name is Valak, which is cool. Uh, I think it was so cool that I used it as a D&D character, the name. <laughs> uh, its full name is Valak the Marquis of Snakes, which means the supervisor, like general manager of serpents. Mm-hmm. Awesome. It's one of the several uh, presidents of hell in the Mar- in the Lesser Key of Solomon, uh, which is basically like back in the day when they're like, you can talk to demons, here's all of them, here's what they do, and here's how to summon them. Now, don't use it, wink, wink, wink. <laughs> so, like, every movie that has a demon with a name, nine times out of ten, they've just looked in the Goetic Codex of the Lesser Kia Solomon and found it. I'm looking at you, Hereditary. You just did a third revision of a book, which is why I was so mad at that fucking reveal. <laughs> but that is a stupid nerd conversation that literally nobody but me cares about, so I won't talk about it. Um, but Valak is a demon who looks like a nun mm-hmm. nuns are already terrifying if you don't know i mean not a lot of people grew up catholic like me and my brothers we didn't have nuns at the school mm-hmm. but nuns have a reputation for already being pretty fucking terrifying and yeah. sticklers for punishment uh so when the movie the nun is about a demon disguised as a nun infiltrating an abbey full of cloistered nuns who don't see anyone or leave the abbey, and it slowly murders them with its malevolent evil, Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, sign me up. Yes, this is a black metal album that I want to see as a movie. And if you mute the movie, it is. It's that. It's awesome. Unfortunately, everyone in the movie is stupid. A lot of the plot is dumb, and you don't see a lot of the nuns. Yeah. Um, go see the nun. I think it's a fun movie. When we went to go I see it, it's very yeah. enjo- it's a very enjoyable. Movie. I th- I still think it's fun because I think it's just like fucking really metal, and I love that sort of shit. And again, I think that if you set your expectations right for that movie, don't go in expecting a perfect film. Expect a fun ride of a film. That's what you're gonna get out of it, and that's what you have to start doing. And I'm glad you said that because that is exactly what I did with this movie. Mm-hmm. My expectations of this movie were mediocre at best i was like it'll be a kind of a shitty conjuring movie it'll be a complete fabrication of a story with only like the hint of a grain of a kernel of truth in Mm -hmm. it like all the conjuring movies are but i don't care i'm i don't need a movie to be based on real life for it to be scary i don't i would rather you just lied completely and Mm -hmm. i enjoyed it than have a movie that is uninteresting but based on a true story Mm -hmm. um case in point the Conjuring 3 is based on a real story that is obviously just a man who is suffering debilitating schizophrenia and is in real life suffering from that. Yeah. Which is the reason he's not in prison, because he was deemed not guilty by reason of insanity and let go. Mm-hmm. Or he, he, was a, he was convicted of like manslaughter or like second-degree murder and had a reduced sentence and then left prison. Okay. Which they say at the end of the movie as well. Yeah. Um, but what was awesome about this movie, kind of like what was awesome about The Conjuring 2, now while the story of The Conjuring 2, the real story, is scarier than any horror movie I could have ever ever seen, Mm because it's real and it's crazy, 
The badass parts of The Conjuring 2 were all the stuff about the nun, which is all made up. Yeah. The badass parts about The Conjuring 3 are about the master Satanist, who is listed in the IMDb as simply the occultist. Which I looked at IMDb and like, all right, I'm in. Like, okay. (laughs) Okay. And there's that whole scene where they go talk to um, the guy that plays uh, Denethor in Lord of the Rings, who's like the occult expert who's the priest. And he's like, because he's also the voice of Scarecrow from uh, Arkham the Knight. Arkham yeah. No, not all of them. Oh, just just, or just Arkham, Arkham Knight. Knight which, because, like, he, that voice is in your head right now. Mm-hmm. So I can't do it. I'm obviously not nearly as good enough, but he just kind of is, like, talking about, like, no, you don't understand. Facing off against a master Satanist is suicide. And I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> Sign me up. I want to be one of those. <laughs> Because So the thesis of this movie is that a boy was possessed, the Warren showed up, seemingly exorcised this demon. Uh, in classic exorcism style, the boy's sister's boyfriend grabbed the boy and was like, come into me, like take me instead, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it lied dormant in him for a bit before uh, driving him kind of insane to the point where he started seeing this weird-looking woman. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously a human woman, but just a weird woman. And in a fit of what he thought he was killing was a demon, he murdered his landlord-slash-boss. Well, and he thought he was defending his yes. girlfriend. Yeah. I'm surprised that she wasn't immediately like, you're an insane person. Yeah. <laughs> Which I feel like in real life did happen, where she was like, fucking get away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he's on, you know, obviously he's like, you murdered a guy, and the Warrens show up, and they're like, ah, there's demons afoot, and the law is like, can we just, like, not have this in the courtroom, well, please? And what I, th- and I'm gonna get into a little bit of semantics here, I think it's also really interesting that the first thing they do is like, we're gonna run you through some, through some tests to see if you're faking. And all of it. them fail. <laughs> when all of them fail, and they're like, this guy is not possessed, and then they're like, but he had to be. He's not that kind of I'm like, guy. there's certainly no other explanation for someone suffering a break in reality and murdering somebody. Or, I mean, devil's advocate, pun intended, he could just lie. He could just lie and say, <laughs> like, a lot of people have done that for less. I mean, yep. fucking every single serial killer that I can think most serial killers I can think of at one point or another claimed they were crazy or that ghosts told them to do it. Mm-hmm. And every single one of those people, every single one of them that claimed it, said they lied. Yep. Like, all of them did. So this movie tries to show, like, and from that day on, you know, not guilty by reason of demonic possession was in a court of law. I'm like, no! It was completely expunged because it was bullshit. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, because of this shitty case and some others that got some people to believe that demons were real... The satanic panic of the 80s and 90s happened, and, like, really innocent people were put on death row because they're like, oh, well, they like Metallica, so they must be devil worshippers, and they must have killed these children. I'm like, no, they just like cool shit. Mm -hmm. If I was alive back then, I would have been burnt at the stake. (laughs) Um, Speaking of which, uh, the demon that possessed the boy initially, Mm-hmm. was not just in the house or, like, invited in. It was summoned. By a totem. 
by a like witch totem. Yeah, the witch is fucking totem. Co- like that's another thing out of supernatural. Like anytime there's an episode where there's like weird curse shit happening, they immediately start turning over like beds and drawers. Like oh, we found a hex bag, and it's like a little bag full like bones and shit. And they're like, yeah, witch cursed you. Um, do you have any enemies or like pissed? Have you pissed any women off lately? Mm-hmm. And they're always like, no. And they're like, oh, he was cheating on his wife with eight women. It probably was one of those women. Um, in this case, so I. You saw it more recently than I do. Mm-hmm. I don't remember why she cursed this family in particular. I don't think that actually is ever gone Was it just, into... like, for fun? I think... Because so, I admire the hustle. So <laughs> it was a new... It was new owners of the house. Yeah. So she obviously had access to um, the, like, little... Yeah, because um, she put like she underneath. put like the totem to summon the demon in the house. And it's the, underneath. Yeah, it's the under house. the house. So and the boy found. And the only thing yeah. that was left in the house was a waterbed, <laughs> which is where the totem was underneath. Yeah. So when the boy went to the waterbed, the demon was able to make contact and possess the child without mm-hmm. needing all the rigmarole of like wearing the kid down psychologically and spiritually. It could just do it. Yeah. Um, which is great because then when the demon swap bodies because what the what the the occultist does is the the ritual that she did is she summons a demon to possess someone to kill another person Mm -hmm. and then when the demon leaves that person then like commits suicide or something or the demon makes them commit suicide yeah so it has to do three different people and each of those people have to kill someone else and then kill and then kill themselves right so it's this like pattern of stuff but I mean, and if memory serves, it has to be uh, the child, the lover, and the father. Yeah, something to that effect. Something like that. I I know the well, second two no, because right. she was trying to do some ritual for a specific purpose, and the people that she needed the demon to kill were those people. So it was like, okay, I'm gonna put it okay. in a child to kill this other person, but then that didn't work. So it's like, we'll do it again. We'll try another thing. Mm-hmm. Um. I won't get. We won't talk about the entire movie, but yeah. I do want to just highlight that I liked it because uh, of the reasons we just talked about, where mm-hmm. I had my expectations very low. Um, the movie was pretty fun. I mean, I, last podcast on the left when they covered the real story of the uh, the Conjuring Two, they they talked briefly about the movie and they mm-hmm. s- they described the Conjuring movies as Christian superhero movies. Which they are, because, like, Ed, yeah, Lorraine, Warren are, like, pretty much just, like, superheroes whose power is God. And mm-hmm. they fight demons. Uh, which what Bible man wishes he could be. I mean, truly, like, the movies are fun if you, like, don't take them super seriously. Mm-hmm. As soon as they start getting into the, like, like what, you know, like, Lorraine does, because Ed, like, is dying, and she's, like, kind of, like, reach in and be like no ed like love is more powerful i'm like this is kind of silly mm-hmm. i'm like get back to the demons master satanist possessing shit the mystery because the mystery is cool yeah that, the whole thing was awesome um and as a conjuring movie it's good uh it's not as good as the core movies mm-hmm. but it's better than most of the spinoffs yeah like I will say this is definitely not my favorite of no, the franchise, but it's definitely but not it's the worst. one I will come back and oh, rewatch. Yeah. Absolutely, for sure. absolutely. Because it's also like the first movie scared me, two scared me less so, but I was more entertained by it. Mm-hmm. This movie entertained me and scared me, but in ways I didn't expect. Yeah, 
Like, um, the whole scene where Lorraine's in the woods trying to find out what happened to that girl. That whole scene, I'm like, this is, like, actually kind of scary. Because normally the Conjuring movies have a formula where, like, they do a build-up, and then they scare you. Mm -hmm. And then it's fine for a while, and then the same thing happens. This time, whenever something was, like, supposed to be scary, it was scary for, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, it never gave you any relief. Because then it would be like, okay, there's, like, 15 minutes of fear, and then, like, 20 minutes of not fear. Mm -hmm. And then another 15 minutes of fear, and then it, like, but it just did it differently, which was cool, because they were trying to learn from the mistakes of the spinoff movies, which were never scary. Mm -hmm. But they're like, okay, they're over too quick. If we make them last longer, then people have to sit in it. And then it will unnerve them more. Yeah. And based on our Conjuring movies, we can just make the story interesting, and then people will like it. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're reworking their formula, which I'm glad, because the formula is beaten like a dead horse. Yeah. Please freshen it up. Um, the uh, cast of it supposedly had um, – I don't remember who it was. No, it was the little boy. He's um, young Luke from Haunting of Hill House. And he was in uh, WandaVision. And he's going to be in Color Out of Space, which is that movie you just got. Yeah. Yeah, he was in WandaVision. He just didn't have glasses in WandaVision, so I, like, didn't recognize him. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to talk a lot about the movie because I don't want to spoil it for people. Mm -hmm. Like, we talked a lot about it, obviously, but, like, those were not the spoiler parts of it. Yeah, that was still fairly like, early on. That's, like, what was in the trailer that, like, got me into wanting to see it. Mm -hmm. Especially because as soon as they were, like, a master Satanist, I'm like, what? Explain that to me more, movie. Uh, and then I looked up the IMDb, and it was just the the woman that is, like, the person who summons the demon is just called the occultist. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. Like, that's some kind of, like, dark Zodiac card from, like, 13 Ghosts or something yeah. like that. And you're just like, fuck yeah. Like, what's her deal? Well, yeah. And frankly, I think I speak for both of us. Where I would highly recommend checking it out. Especially oh, yeah, go see Especially if you're a fan it. of the – of like, possession types of movies or the Conjuring franchise yeah. as a whole. Like, and I know – I'm – I feel myself reaching the end of my rope with movies about demonic possession just because everyone does them. They're all the same. And mm -hmm. I, I just speaking completely plainly and completely just of my own opinion, I personally am not a believer in religion. Uh, I think all the imagery is very cool, which is why I love when people use it and stuff. Um, I just sometimes feel like it gets boring when it like, gets taken so seriously and it's a horror movie. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, like, you're really gonna tell me that, like, witches summon demons just to fuck with people because that's what the devil wants to do? I don't know about all that. But, I mean, people can believe whatever they'd like, and I absolutely, it's totally fine. Because, um, especially for me, the, the pro of it, it makes cool movies. That's true. I mean, as long as, you know, religion's around, there's gonna be cool movies sweet-ass-looking demons, and I'm like, I'll see them, absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess that's my final word on The Conjure 3, is it's, it's pretty metal, man. It's, it's rad. It's, it's, it's a, a rad movie. It's a fun watch, especially if you get a good group together to watch it. Yeah. And speaking of fun watches, we're about to talk about at least one that I think is really fun that I don't think you've seen. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, you stupid idiots! Now, that's a movie I haven't thought about in in roughly a decade. Have you seen it? I saw it back when it came out. Okay, But okay. I haven't seen it since. I saw it around the same time. It was, like, right when it came out on, like, video I saw it. And mm -hmm. I remembered most of it. I think I might have seen that one in theaters back in the I day. I wish I could have. It was, it was a fun ride. But 
as of now, or at least as of the time I watched it, it was on HBO Max. And I'm like, okay. I think I'll give this a watch. I'm like, I haven't seen it in a while. I remember it being pretty fun. And uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. Former President Abraham Lincoln, while running, I mean, literally just at every point in his life, uh, has been an, a master vampire slayer, up to and including during the presidency of the Civil War. <laughs> um, so for those who may not be aware of the actual plot of the of the books, they're based on books written mm-hmm. by a man who also wrote Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Um, right. He likes mashing sci-fi and horror with like history because he. I feel like he's much like me, where they're like, yeah. Pride and Prejudice and Jane Austen are good, but, like, what if it was exciting? <laughs> <laughs> um, so Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter follows the life of Abraham Lincoln as uh, a young boy growing up um, during, obviously, slavery times. Uh, slavery, obviously, is already terrible, but um, it's worse when they find out that it's the way that vampires have infiltrated America and have put a stranglehold on the American economy. It's not I've because of racism, Danny. It's because so of vampires. Duh. Uh, <laughs> oh, speaking of things you probably forgot, you know who the third uh, like main character of this movie is? Ooh. Anthony Mackie. Really? Who plays Abraham Lincoln's uh, Freeman childhood friend. Uh, who, as a child, I mean, obviously he was born as a free man, but um, because of the Fugitive Slave Act, a brief history lesson, during the lead-up to the Civil War, one of the things that was the straw that broke the camel's back is obviously the North was divided, or the country was divided into the North and the South, and some states, anytime a new state became a state, the big argument was, okay, is it going to have slavery or no? And in an effort to try to appease the South, because the North was getting more and more states that were you know, outlawed slavery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because more and more slaves were obviously escaping slavery and to be like, we could just go across the river into Indiana and we won't be slaves anymore. Mm-hmm. It'd be awesome. So the government initiated the Fugitive Slave Act, wherein uh, anyone who is basically pretty much any black person, uh, you could claim was an escaped slave of yours and you could. Even if they were in New York, you could go up to New York, kidnap them, and drag them back to slavery. Even if they were a free man. Oh. That causes a lot of problems. So the Underground Railroad— As one would imagine. Obviously. Well, that's why the Underground Railroad then began to go into Canada. So a Mm -hmm. lot of slaves then went to fucking Canada to just be like, well, you can't cross the border because the country ends here. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, um, that's why Anthony Mackie is—I don't remember his name, for the love of God— but the two of them were friends as children because um, a- uh, Abe's father tried to intervene when a slave master tried to take them back. And uh, that action deemed uh, – basically put his family on a hit list because um, mo- like the big network of slave traffickers and masters in the South are vampires. Of course. Um, and – a vam- the same vampire master who was denied the slave then comes back and uh, feeds on Abe's mother, and then she dies of some illness. Now, in real life, she dies of, like, typhoid fever, or, again, some illness mm-hmm. that they just were like, doctors didn't know what it was, they said it was this. So it basically just goes through Abe's life and, like, retcons a bunch of stuff and be like, oh, and when he was in Springfield working at a shop, what was else was he doing? 
hunting vampires. Um, Abe meets a guy. So obviously his mother dies. He blames this vampire. He knows it's this guy. So when he gets a little bit older, he goes to try to kill this guy and fucking bails. Obviously he's a vampire. They're much stronger, faster, smarter. Uh, and unlike most vampire lore, the rules of these vampires, they can walk out in the daylight. Mm. The sunlight does not kill them. Silver um, does. Uh, stakes do. or Anything with silver will kill them. Okay. Pretty easily. Uh, they can also turn invisible, which is fucking a pain oh, in the ass okay. when you have to fight them. Is they can just turn invisible, and then it you know they're just faster and stronger than you. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. So in his quest to try to kill this guy, he runs into um this guy who's played by Dominic Cooper, who is uh the he's young Howard Stark in the first Captain America movie. He's also plays oh, yeah. Jesse Custer in the Preacher show. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a guy who basically tells Abe like, "Vampires exist. Here's how you kill them." And you know, Abe then becomes this like uber awesome vampire hunter using an axe because he used to be a railroad splitter, so he's mm-hmm. super strong. And he like does all these crazy like axe flip attacks, and it's a it's a fun movie. Okay, like obviously it's not serious. Mm-hmm. It's a fun movie, and it's like just wall to wall entertaining. And a lot of the movie is taken with a little bit of a degree of respect. Um, Mary uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays uh, Mary Todd Lincoln. <laughs> no shit. And um, I don't know you haven't watched a lot of Always Sunny or Westworld or my that Biggie and Tupac thing I did, but I can't ever remember the actor's name. But listeners who watch Always Sunny will know uh, one of the McPoyle twins, uh, who's like this like weird like inbred white trash family. Uh, one of the actors of the brothers went on to do Westworld, this movie, and uh, this uh, Biggie and Tupac documentary. He's a fantastic actor, and I forgot he was in this movie because I hadn't seen Always Sunny yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like the shopkeep that Abe is friends with. So like, it's like Abe and Anthony Mack here. Like, all right, vampires exist. Like, how the hell are we gonna like protect the country? I'll run for president and oppose slavery, S- not because slavery is wrong, because it is. It's also to keep the vampires from putting day. from like taking over the country. So the Civil War is uh, mostly fought as a proxy war between Abe Lincoln and the vampires. Um, it becomes a problem when the vampires are like, "Well, what if we just like gave the Confederates vampire soldiers that can't be killed?" So Abe's then like, "Okay, vampires are back. I've got to save the country." gotta make silver weapons for our boys i gotta get them out there um i mean obviously the gist of the whole movie is abraham lincoln kills vampires Mm -hmm. and it's awesome and it's just one of the couple of horror adjacent movies i've watched that i we said we would cover that type of thing on the minisodes um go watch it it's awesome like i truly (laughs) it's so much fun um, the guy that plays Abe Lincoln is, like, actually pretty good. He looks just like a young Abe Lincoln would. Mm-hmm. Um, like, a Dominic Cooper, I love him. Uh, yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Anthony Mackie. Like, y'all's good actors all around. Um, the guys that play the vampires, I never, like, knew who they were. But when I watched the movie in high school, the main, like, alpha vampire. Oh, and another cool rule about the vampires is that they can't harm each other. So mm-hmm. if a vampire felt slighted by his, like, clan, he couldn't kill 
that vampire. So it's like further proxy war type stuff where it's like, okay, this vampire would be so easy to kill if I could just physically kill him. Mm -hmm. But that main one who's like causes that problem. Uh, I thought when I was in high school, because I listened to a lot of Skillet in high school. Hell yeah. He looks a lot like the singer for Skillet. So I had a pet theory that it was him. Because <laughs> he I also wears it. a lot of makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I guess all I can say is see it. It's fucking great. <laughs> we might never cover this, but like, it's, I, I wanted to note it. Um, do you have any, like, I'll just pick a, a thing that you've been watching? So, so I haven't had a, lo- a whole lot of time to watch uh, any horror media. Well, the nothing thing that, that we that wouldn't been... cover in the future. Exactly. But the big thing that us as a cast have really bonded over the weeks I've been in North Dakota is we play the board game Betrayal at House <sighs> on the Hill. Fucking love that game. Pretty much every night yes. after our shows, after our evening shows. And... <laughs> I just can't speak highly enough of the game. And what we started doing this past week is, in the past, um, our director would play the Evil Dead score in the background, cool. which was super fun. And then on, th- I think it was Thursday, we switched over to listening to the Conjuring scores. That's even it. worse. <laughs> and it was horrible. You guys should play it and in here with the Conjuring music. <laughs> so what we did one night, oh um, god, Kelly McGuire, Drew, and I in here, or like over in the other here, rooms. Okay, um, we turned the lights off, cool. and the only light we had was we had a table <sighs> like a up candle. and a single flashlight <sighs> angled oh down. Next time we do it, we're gonna bring just a lantern. That'd be awesome, and it's just gonna fit the atmosphere. Oh man, and yeah, I really want to play it with the Conjuring music because it's the it, Conjuring music is fucking scary. <laughs> I also there's no real like. Game master for the game, mm-hmm. but I, for the most part, run the game and I'm handing out the cards. I read the event cards and everything. Yeah. And my favorite things that happen, especially with the conjuring music, there's enough of that jump scare music in there. Yeah, oh yeah. I'll be in the middle of reading a uh, event card. Yeah. I'll get to a uh, period and it will stop jump. My <laughs> and the music will blare, and I'm like, oh god, it scares me yeah, sometimes because yeah. <laughs> I just don't know that it's coming. But it's one of my favorite experiences with a board game in a long time. For listeners who may not know, do you want a quick rundown of what the game is? Yeah, so Betrayal at House on the Hill is a tabletop uh, board game where you you are a group of explorers finding this new house. And there's different rooms you explore and... It comes into the second half of the game where the haunt of the house begins, mm. where different um, encounters can happen. Like, the house can be lifted into the sky. There could be a giant octopus monster that's emerging from the house. There could be werewolves. The one I played, the only time I ever actually played a full round, uh, there was, like, a cult in the basement that was, like, getting ready to kill everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's really fun. And every time you play it, the house will look different because you find mm-hmm. rooms in different orders, and there are 50 different haunts in the base game, and I think another 30 or 40 in the expansion pack that I need to pick up soon. Yeah. But so basically, every time you play, no matter if you're playing with the same people or completely new people, it will never be the same yeah. game or the same house twice. Yeah. During Spooktober, we gotta play it, like, every weekend to just have new people come over. Because, like, even, like, on nights, like, where it's too late to watch movies, like, after rehearsals, we'll be like, hey, guys, come over, we'll do a round of, you know, Betrayal, and that'll be the spooky thing you did for the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a blast. I 
would highly recommend the game. Do you want to talk about just like what's like the coolest or like the scariest one you you've done that you can remember? So Tell a lot us, of them give get, us the lowdown. Okay. So there's different like base characters that you play as and my friend Drew really loves to play as Ox Bellows who's the super strong and not the brightest guy and I tend to play as the professor who's not very strong but he's super smart. Yeah. And so the two of us never get along because we're very rarely on the same team. You're not on the same team for the most of the musical you're in. That's also <laughs> true. Um, but so there was one where the house was going into the air and there were a limited amount of parachutes and I managed to grab one while I was one room away from Mr. Strong Ox Bellows over there and he just came into the room and wrecked my shit. Just beat you up for it? He killed me for it. Oh my god! I was at the door so I was about to leave and then he was like, no, and then we got into combat. So at first Roll he just <laughs> at first he can if you win in combat in a situation like that, you can steal their item. Mm-hmm. So we just would steal it from each other, and this went on for like six rounds oh before he was just like, "Fine, I'll just kill you and leave with it." And I was both weak. go and do the same one because you could, it was only one parachute per person. Oh, so you okay. couldn't, and so some people had to die with the house. Oh man, because <laughs> that was one of the ones where there was no traitor. It was us against the house. Yeah. Because for the most part, the haunts have traitors who yeah, will go like against the, the party. they're the thing that like summons the the haunt, or and then they'll play it. as the monster. Yeah, yeah. But in that one, it was just all of us trying to leave, and I didn't make it out. Oh, no. Did Drew win that one? Yeah. At least he won. I. <laughs> if we get back home tonight and he's playing Resident Evil, I'm gonna be like, hey, but don't ever don't kill, kill me for a parachute. parachute. I, I'll just give it to you. <laughs>